Welcome to episode 545 of Palindrome of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther from North Carolina. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. It's not that I live in North Carolina, but I'm no. in North Carolina right, right now. Right. You know, every single year across the world at this time of year, people are saying one thing to people over and over again, but never have we been more happy to say Happy New Year. <laughs> yes. Right. Happy New Year, Josh. Seriously. It's 2021. I mean, we're all acting as if that's going to change. It's not like it immediately changes anything, but it does change a lot. I hope so. I'm very optimistic for 2021. I, I am too. I am trying to be as optimistic as I can be. I am trying to be optimistic about what CES is going to be like next week. Um, That's a real struggle, though, because it's looking like a mess at this point. Uh, So (laughs) CES is still happening. It's an all virtual event. It's next week Uh, because CES is still happening next week. That's that will be your indicator as to why we don't have as much news to cover this week. And like that's so that's, you know, maybe not great news. But if you're one of the people who hates all the gaming news, then boy, have we got an episode for you because there is Zero, zero gaming news none. to talk about tonight. There is no gaming news. Oh, yeah. sorry, zero gaming news. <laughs> oh boy, are are would you by chance be referring to our email address that also has a zero instead of an O? I might have been doing that. So yeah, we are going to jump into our listener feedback, which is sent into us through our email address, which is entertainment two zero at the digital media zone.com. We got a couple here to read for you. Uh, first one is from Alfred and he says, Josh and Richard earlier in the year, and he sent this last year, you know, last week. Uh, he says earlier in the year, I provided feedback about the poor performance of the Plex DVR product. Time shifting and watching a recording in process was clunky and unreliable. I think we're with you on that one, Alfred. I believe that they have made significant progress toward addressing these issues. I'm using an NVIDIA Shield client. uh, Well, while using an NVIDIA Shield client, the transport performance of Plex DVR is almost on par with Channel's DVR. It's still a bit clunky on a Roku Ultra, but at least it doesn't hang up and crash. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, he says Channel's DVR is still a better experience overall. Uh, And on the Plex forums, he's hearing that this improvement hasn't reached all servers and client platforms just yet, which that kind of makes sense. Like there are so many clients and servers. Uh, And then lastly, he says he did sign up for a Plex Plex Pass subscription for a month in order to test two features that might justify Plex Pass for him. Uh, He's interested in the improved family photo management and syncing to local devices. So he'll be checking both of those out over the next month or so. And hopefully we'll hear back from Alfred. I like getting messages like this because you and I, Richard, like we can't test everything, especially when it comes to DVRs. Like you can't test every single DVR. So uh, it is nice to hear from from Alfred on his experience with, with Plex DVR. I've basically 
entirely switched to channels. And <laughs> it's right. really good. Right? Yeah, it's funny you say that because part of the reason that this is so poignant is because neither you nor I have a whole lot of experience with where Plex is nowadays because we've both switched to channels because it was and has been so much better from a live and recorded TV perspective. I have multiple streaming devices with us here and you know, we're in a rental home right now for a bunch of TVs where we'd want to watch television. They do have cable, but I just wanted our own TV experience that we would normally have. So I brought streaming devices with us and I, hooked up channels DVR on each one of them. And there you go. There's our live TV streamed from our tuner back at home. It's (laughs) so easy. Well, and I like that because it's our local commercials. It's our local news and all that sort of thing. But it's so easy that get ready for this. I woke up this morning and Edward had the TV on and he had it tuned to a channel. He has never used <laughs> channels before. Never. Yeah, it, it's it's just an obvious and simple user interface. That's still yep. good. Yep. Yeah. All right. So thank you for that update. We're glad to hear it. And we should probably check that stuff out, Josh. Probably. Our next message is from Carlton. And he has some information about his experience with Ultra HD Blu-ray movies. He said, I've started purchasing more 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray movies to have the highest quality source material on my Plex server to use with my 77-inch LG OLED, jealous, and 7.1.4 Atmos surround system. Hold on. Like... Carlton has got to be one of those people who's like, I don't care if theaters aren't open. I've got this amazing experience at home. Well, right, right, exactly. And over the course of the last two years, he has been building all of this kind of entertainment and smart home stuff into his home. This was like a major project for him. So uh, good time for that to be there. For sure. So continuing on, he says, but I also like having a Movies Anywhere digital copy of the movie for a fallback. It's those digital copy codes where I'm having issues on about one out of every six titles purchased. I think it's fraud related. He continues, last spring, I purchased the Ice Age collection, Blu-ray, as new from a third-party Amazon seller. One of the codes had already been used. I contacted Fox and they eventually replied, too bad. It was a third party seller. We won't help you. But they took a month to respond. So I couldn't return it. It was too late. So lesson learned. Don't buy new from third party sellers and avoid the problem. Maybe, unfortunately not. In October, I purchased Finding Dory 4K from Amazon.com, not a third party seller. And I tried to use the digital code but it had already been used. The plastic wrap on the case didn't appear to be the original type and there were no annoying stickers on the case edges. So I returned the movie and I got a replacement from Amazon. The second one had the exact same 
problem. So I returned it again. And the third one, which didn't have plastic wrap at all, did at least have a working code. It also had an Amazon gift receipt in the case. So I'm sure it was a customer return. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> I just purchased Top Gun 4K. The disc had a cheap plastic covering, easy to open. There's no stickers on the case, and there was no insert. So no digital code to redeem. I'm returning it to Amazon for a replacement. Hopefully, it takes only one return this time. I'm seeing a clear pattern. There are two issues here. The first is apparently people buying the movies, using or selling the codes, then rewrapping and returning to Amazon. The second is that Amazon seems to be selling these returned movies as new because they're in the original plastic wrap and, quote, unopened, unquote. I'm going to keep purchasing the 4K discs for the noticeably better picture and sound quality, noticeably by me, at least. My family doesn't care. <laughs> I totally understand that. But I'm frustrated that Amazon isn't doing more to solve this problem. It may be happening elsewhere as well. It's going to eventually start impacting this already struggling format. But perhaps that's what the studios ultimately want anyway. Sad face emoji. <laughs> Definite sad faces. I had no idea that anything like this was going on. Yeah. People suck. This is nuts. I remember a period of time with certain online vendors where folks were reporting in forums that they would receive the disks and the code would be missing or the code had been used. But it was almost always like these, you know, kind of, small fly-by-night vendors that you haven't heard of necessarily, not Amazon.com. And right. that's messed up. That's totally messed up. It could just be that during this past year, with everything else that they've been dealing with, they haven't had the sort of quality control that you might expect from a company like that on these sorts of returns. But it's really weird. And I'd be curious to hear if anybody else is experiencing similar problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really crappy, but it, it sounds like a pretty easy scam to do as long as you've got a way to replastic wrap a case. So like, I'm kind of shocked to hear that this is happening, but at the same time, not that surprised because it's, it's probably really hard to get caught. Yeah, probably. I, I, I would suggest and. Carlton, I, I imagine you've done this already, but if you haven't, make sure that you're reporting this issue with your returns and always with Amazon, if you feel like your concern is not getting heard, ask to have it escalated. In most of these departments in Amazon, I have found that there are escalation paths to management where you can finally talk to someone that will at least attempt to address your problem, whether they're going to be able to solve it widely or not is a different issue. But I have finally received some uh, like a correction or satisfaction, I guess, about the multiple times I've reported delivery problems as an example. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, hopefully this trend does not continue for Carlton or for anybody else. But yeah, seriously. 
That does it for our feedback. Again, if you want to send us some uh, entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or the contact form on the website. So we'll get into our video news, which is all of the news. And I think without a doubt, the biggest story of the week is that Discovery has launched their new streaming service. It's called Discovery Plus. Can we just take a second to talk about the fact that the sort of shorthand for the name of the service is D plus. Like that's the best you could get in school was a D plus. <laughs> yep. That's what I'd give it. Oh, I, I, well, let's cover what it is first and then okay. we can talk about our experience with it and all that stuff. So we did cover this a little bit when it was announced a few episodes ago, but as a quick recap, discovery is another one of these kind of giant parent networks over top of a bunch of other channels that you're familiar with. So this streaming service gives you access to HGTV, Food Network, TLC, Investigation Discovery, OWN, Animal Planet, Discovery, of course, BBC, A&E, History, Lifetime, and there's even more than that. But those are definitely the biggest ones. So you get access to a bunch of shows, you know, mostly catalog stuff, like you're not getting brand new episodes, but mostly catalog stuff. Know, full seasons, full episodes, and, and all that stuff. Uh, and there's two pricing options. You can pay $4.99 a month and get it without ad, or with ads, or $6.99 a month and not have any ads. It's available on almost every device that's out there. You can watch on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Chromecast, Android TV, iOS, Android, a web browser, an Xbox, any Xbox One, Xbox One X, Xbox Series X, all of them, uh, and Samsung Smart TVs. Pretty much the only place that doesn't have it yet uh, is the PlayStation, wah, wah, uh, and LG and Vizio TVs. Pretty much any place else, you, you can check this out. It does have multiple profile support, something we expect from a video streaming service nowadays. They don't have like a kids mode, kids profile sort of thing, like automatically limit some of the content to stuff that's just for kids. I don't know if that's coming. They don't really have a lot of like super like targeted at kids type of content. And that's definitely not the content that they're pushing to the top of the app. The other downside, and hopefully this will be coming, is on the mobile apps, you can't download episodes for offline playback. I would think this is coming and I'm like... I don't get bent out of shape when features like this aren't there at launch. As long as it does come and comes relatively soon, like you have to draw the line somewhere at what we need to just release this thing and we can add some more features later. So right. I, I don't think that's a big deal. Yep. MVP. Exactly. Right. And I, Minimum it, it, viable it, product. Sort of, this is the kind right. of thing that, that you really have to cut your losses and say, we have to get something out and that's something we can roll out later. Yeah. And there there aren't really many features that I can think of that it doesn't have that I wish that it did have. So, I mean, it's a basic streaming app with a bunch of content from shows that you probably want to watch. It's not everything because some of their shows are still contractually tied to other services like Chopped. The regular version of Chopped is not available here. I think it's on Netflix, but it's not here. Um the the regular property property brothers i don't think is available here but there's like what? five different spin-offs of property brothers right 
and they're all there. And are any of them really that different? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's plenty there. If you're interested in this kind of content, it's probably there. What you're looking for is probably there. Like, I don't think the, no, actually I, I think regular house hunters is there, but there's also like eight spinoffs of house hunters that are there. So if this is the stuff you're looking for, it's almost definitely there for you to watch. And the price isn't bad. The user interface seems totally acceptable on both mobile. And I tried it out on Android TV. Uh, Jen actually used it today and she had no issues with it. I asked her, how many commercials did you have to watch? And she said, I don't remember seeing any commercials. I briefly opened, uh, started watching a, uh, one of their, I, I believe it's one of their exclusives. It's a, a show called uh, Auto Biography, two separate words. It's a biography series about various car and r- racing related things. Mm. Um, first episodes on Mario Andretti. And in the scrub bar, it showed little yellow sections, which I assume is where the ads would go. And there were only three of them in a like 45 minute episode. And they weren't super wide in the scrub bar. So I I didn't get the impression that it was like five and a half minutes of commercials at each of those breaks or anything like that. But I I didn't get, I mean, the service came out yesterday uh, and I I worked today. So it's not like I had time to spend the whole day watching Discovery Plus today. I think this seems like a pretty good service, but you're ready to give it a D plus. Why? Well, I mean, in all fairness, I have not played with this yet. I have not tried a trial. I just don't have time to be doing that right now, but I am, I am unexcited about the prospect of every content owner in this case, discovery coming up with their own paid streaming service. I'd much rather see these types of things incorporated into existing services like Hulu or Netflix or what have you just because I think we're getting to the point where it's ridiculous how many streaming services we have and how many different things you need to subscribe to if you want access to their library. And yeah, it's only $5 or seven without ads, but uh, this is just getting harder and harder. It also bugs the crap out of me that every discovery show that I watch on TV has at least one commercial, if not more for discovery plus and every discovery, every discovery streaming service or streaming show that I watch through something like say HGTV go has at least one, if not more commercials for discovery plus in each ad break. They're just trying to get it out there so that people sign up for it. I know, but I don't need to hear about it three times in one ad break. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's kind of like the voodoo thing. So I will probably get a free trial at some point to give it a try, but I'm just, I'm not excited about this. And this is content that I watch all the time. 
we have, and we don't even talk about it, right? Like I never mentioned right. that, oh, okay, I watched, you know, this episode of House Hunters and this episode, because it's just the background noise that's on all the time if the exactly. news isn't on. Exactly. It, it is filler TV for a lot of people, I think. You know, it, it's what we turn on during lunch or, you know, something like that. Um, or what what people turn on right before they go to bed, things like that. Yep. Uh, for sure. And that's, that's why I think that the pricing here is, is good. Like five bucks a month, most of these services that you're comparing it to cost more than that. So at least you're getting a little bit of a break on the cost. And it's not like it's five bucks for just HGTV. It's five right. bucks for a all bunch discovery. of channels that you, right. that you want. Right. All discovery. So all their educate, not all, but most of their education stuff that you'd see on the various discovery channels. And, and that's, I get that. I mean, that's great. I like that. Frankly, and I mentioned this before, I thought that's what curiosity stream was. Like I, I honestly was surprised when this came out because I was under the impression that curiosity stream was discovery content, but apparently not. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure on that one. Uh, A.W. Rayner in the chat. And I think a couple of other people are, are talking about how they don't understand why um, this service exists as, as something to pay extra for, to watch the same content that they already have through their paid TV provider. I don't think you're the target market. No, you're if not. you've got a cable subscription or you're paying for YouTube TV or something like that, I don't think you're the target market here. Yep. This is for cord cutters. Yeah. And yeah. this is, this is, I, I think this is for the families where, where one spouse is like, I want to get rid of cable. And the other spouse is like, yeah, but I watch like a hundred hours of house hunters a week. I want to watch house hunters. And now they can say, well, uh, instead of paying $80 a month for cable, how about we pay $5 a month for Discovery Plus and you can still watch endless episodes of House Hunters and Property Brothers right? and save ourselves a boatload of money. That's who this is for. And you know, I, I, I've got the trial right now. I could see us actually sticking with this. Like if Jen is actually going to use this, I'll stick with it for five bucks a month. Why not? Yeah. I guess so. It, it, their their confusion is legit, right? I had the same confusion a few weeks ago when we talked about this because I'm like, well, but we already have the HGTV Go and we have DIY Go and all these other things. Why do you need this? Yeah, because I'm a cable subscriber. This is not for me. But that argument could be used for Hulu and for HBO Max and for... Uh, Almost all of the rest of these services, they're not for people with cable subscriptions. They're for people who don't have cable subscriptions. Uh, I, I don't know that those two examples are the best examples because I feel like Hulu is starting to become people's DVR. At least it is for me in some cases. And in the case of HBO Max, HBO Max is both their subscription product for non-cable users and their supplementary service for people who do subscribe. So it's a, it's kind of a hybrid thing, but I get your point. I get your point. I think that for the most part, most of these services are geared toward people who are not already on or are, are not still on the cable thing. Right. Right. 
Because if you have paid TV, you can probably get all of this stuff currently over the internet using TV Everywhere apps. It's probably there already. Right. With lots and lots and lots of commercials. Yeah. Yeah. All (laughs) right. So let's move on uh, to some extra content that's maybe not costing you any extra money yet, maybe. (laughs) So Hulu has added uh, a whole bunch of Viacom properties. So they're getting BET, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, VH1, CMT, Nick Jr., TV Land, BET, Her, that's one I'd never heard of, MTV2, Nicktoons, Teen Nick, and MTV Classic, another one I didn't know existed. And this is all as part of the Hulu with live TV. This is not the regular like $7 a month Hulu or whatever the, the VOD service is. This is the, the cable alternative service is now getting all of these channels in addition to keeping the other stuff that was already there. So CBS, CBS Sports Network, the CW, Smithsonian, and Pop TV, which is another one I've never heard of. Uh, and because Showtime is also owned by Viacom, you can add Showtime onto your Hulu with live TV subscription. All of that stuff stays. So this is all here. This is all good. It makes Hulu with live TV. Uh, they now have more Viacom channels than any other of the online streaming services. So that's great. And in theory, it doesn't cost you any extra. That uh, They aren't increasing the the monthly subscription for Hulu this month. Right. I, they just did. But they just did last month. So in December, they raised their monthly cost uh, $10 up to $65 a month. So I kind of hope that that cost increase factored these channels coming online and that we're not going to see another increase relatively soon to to cover this. But yeah. Hulu ups their prices a lot. Yeah, they do. This is I'm I'm nothing but happy about this, quite frankly. Viacom CBS has been or CBS Viacom, I forget which way they're using those has been historically the holdout on streaming content. You know, I've made plenty of fun of uh, the now retired Uncle Les who refused to allow their content to be kind of alongside everybody else's because it was, it, you know, it, he considered it a premium content. And this kind of shows how this company is starting to play with all the folks in the industry better. And frankly, I think also shows how Viacom and CBS are, how that merger is coming together, how we're seeing the the Viacom stuff come to be a part of the CBS family again. And so I'm really happy to see this. I think this is nothing but good for people. And I hope that we see it not just on Hulu. I hope this is not an exclusive deal. Yeah. I mean, so I think it was one of the articles over at streamable that I was reading actually had a breakdown of what channels are available on the other providers. Most of them are close, you know, cause there's, there's now like 42 Viacom channels or something like that. And I think YouTube TV has like 37 or so, you know, something. So a lot of the other ones are close. Some of the lower end ones were in the the twenties, I think. So 
they're close. I, I mean, my guess is that some of those ones that maybe you haven't heard of aren't available on some of those other channels. Or actually, no, it's, it's probably the other way around. You probably have access to all the ones you've never heard of and don't want, and you don't have access <laughs> to the ones that you do want. <laughs> That's how that normally works. That is how that works. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, next up, You've probably, I don't think that we've talked about this here, actually, but you've probably heard about how Roku has been in negotiations with the uh, former, well, I guess current um, owners of Quibi to get the Quibi content library and somehow incorporate that into Roku's content offerings. And Wall Street Journal is reporting that they are nearing to closing a deal. And they say that the content would end up in the Roku channel, which is what we would expect. That's the area where you can get free content from Roku with commercials. So this would likely incorporate the Quibi content there. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with the content as far as format, right? Because a lot of the content was primarily designed for vertical format and also accommodated horizontal landscape formatting kind of as a second alternative. And in many cases, that was not a whole lot better than like the blurred version of the image that you used to see (laughs) alongside of four by three video that your news station would throw up or whatever. So it'll be curious to see how they handle that content format thing, but this is good because people who liked Quibi liked it because they thought the content was good. The content was interesting. It'll also be interesting to see how they package it. Will they package these, you know, like, 10 episode, five minute long series as one thing that just plays one after another or, or, and, and seems seamless, or maybe that's where the ad breaks are. You know, they clearly, they have some sort of strategy there, but that too, I think is what differentiated Quibi. So I'm glad to see that all of the work that went into creating this content from the platform that combined cost investors 150, was it million or I think million? Had to be million. We're used to hearing billions because of stimulus. Right, right. (laughs) 150 or $250 million to get this off the ground. So I'm glad to see that this is getting an actual home. Yeah, I, I hope this happens because there was some good content there. And like you, I'm very curious to see if if it ends up being everything smashed together into one 50-minute episode instead of 10 five-minute episodes and stuff like that. Uh, But I'm a little bit disappointed that it's going to end up on the Roku channel if it does, because these ad-supported services, I mean, I talk about it, it seems like every week, I hate them. Like, (laughs) while I I do pay for Hulu with ads… Hulu isn't terrible with their ads. Most of these other services are awful with their ads. And I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
All right. So next up is a, a quick one about ESPN Plus. It's a, a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool service. So if you are a sports fan, ESPN Plus is the standalone offering from ESPN that gives you access to a lot of live sports, but definitely not everything. Like this is not access to everything that ESPN offers, but it gets you some some actual big big league stuff you know there is major league baseball there's nhl hockey uh i don't think there's any nfl football but there's college football and then a lot of other sports too they've also got a lot of ufc fights if you're into that uh so there's a lot of good content there and it's you know typically five bucks a month the the news here is that they're upping the cost of an annual subscription so starting january 8th an annual subscription is going from $49.99 to $59.99. So 10 bucks over the course of a year. That's not much of an increase. It, it pretty well matches up with the increase that they added in August for the monthly subscription where they upped that by a dollar. So if you just want to pay month to month, it's $5.99. So if you do pay for the annual subscription, you're basically getting two months free. So if you're already a subscriber and if you're already an annual subscriber, then hurry up and renew because um, you'll save a boatload of money. You have until March 2nd to, to do, to, to renew at the $50 price point or yeah, at $50. So uh, that, that would be a, a really nice savings there. Uh, also one other quick thing, the if you are watching UFC, but it, you're specifically using a pay-per-view to watch the really big UFC fights, the cost cost of those are also going up. I didn't realize that UFC pay-per-view cost this much, Richard. Each event it's going up by five dollars per event, so it'll now be sixty-nine ninety-nine to pay-per-view a UFC fight. I've never done pay-per-view for anything in my life. Seventy bucks to watch an event. Yeah, and we complain about $30 movies on Disney Plus? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Back in the day, I think services like HBO would work with the cable providers to make fights available, and it would cost like $50 to watch the fight. So I'm wow. not at all surprised by that. I had no idea it cost that much. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, sticking with the sports theme, Fubo TV which is a, it's a, like a cable alternative service like Hulu with live TV or YouTube TV that really got its start in the sports market. It, it was the one that really focused on live sports content. Now it's basically got everything that you would get from any of the other providers. They're kind of messing around with their different plans. So the, their base plan, which is was called the standard plan, is now no longer available. It used to be $59.99 a month, which I think it recently actually got an increase. I'm, I'm sure we talked about that in the last few months. They're getting rid of that $60 a month plan unless you're already subscribed to it. If you're already subscribed to it, you're fine as long as you stick with it. New subscribers, that's not an option anymore. Your your lowest cost offering is their is their family plan, the family bundle that basically just includes more like non-sports channels. 
uh, the family bundle is $64.99. So they've kind of effectively raised the the lowest cost option to get into Fubo TV by $5 a month. Now, you are getting some extra things that you wouldn't have gotten with that other thing, which is what makes this uh, even more interesting. So for that extra $5 a month, you are getting more channels, which is always good. You're also getting three simultaneous streams and a 250-hour storage locker for your cloud DVR, which the standard plan, I think it was only a 50-hour cloud DVR. So you're getting some nice benefits for that extra $5 a month. The other thing they're doing, and this is where it gets really intriguing, is they're what what it looks like is they're trying to get people to stop signing up for just a couple of months and then bailing. So what they're offering now is they're saying, if you sign up and agree to pay for a quarter at a time, so pay for three months, then we're going to throw in some extra stuff. But they're actually offering different people different things. So some people, yeah, yeah. It's like they're A-B testing this and trying to figure out <laughs> Which which option to go with, which totally makes sense. I guess. But, uh, so like some people are getting like another channel package that, you know, adds like 40 channels to it. You know, and some people are getting a thousand hours of cloud DVR. Like there's a bunch of different options here. So that's cool. And I'll be curious to see where where they land. Uh, like I, I I have to imagine that that churn is a big problem with these services like now that people aren't locked into you know year-long contracts and stuff like we have been in the past with satellite and, and some cable providers i think a lot of people like me they're signing up for you know their the season of their favorite sport or the season of their favorite tv show and then they cancel it for a few months and and sign up again when when they're ready to to, to watch that thing again so uh, this is an intriguing way of trying to to combat that problem. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's interesting that they're doing this in particular because I look at this service as inferior to most other streaming cable alternatives, largely because I don't care about the sports ball, right? And And that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're differentiator is that that they came first with a lot of the sports stuff and built upon that. So they're heavy on the sports side. But I wonder if people who are checking them out are finding that this isn't really the content that I want. This doesn't have everything that I want. And that's why they're bailing. So I, yeah, I don't know. And then I'm going to add on top of this that I'm getting really sick of this. We're going to raise your price, but we're adding features that you may or may not want approach <laughs> toward this business. Well, it's better than just raising your price. It is. It is. But, you know, it kind of, it reminds me of, this is where I put in a disclaimer that I own stock in Netflix. It reminds me of the Netflix approach where they're like, oh, well, for all this original content, we're going to have to raise our price by two bucks this year or a buck this year or whatever it is incrementally every couple of years. Well, what if that's not why you have or had Netflix? 
What if that's, what if you were on Netflix because you could watch friends too bad. You can't anymore. Right. So I'm just not convinced that that's the right approach. It's making me money in the stock market. So maybe it is, but it's not something that I like as a consumer. Hmm. I kind of just think that it's the way things work. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't think we're going to get away from that. I think on the software side, we're so used to the idea that you buy something and it's going to get better over time just because it gets better over time as you pay for it monthly and the price doesn't increase. And on these services, it seems like the price is continually increasing. For the most part, it's because the providers are squeezing the services. I get that. I totally understand that. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely the, the cheaper one of the two of us here. Um, you, know, you, you joke all the time that you're, you're the cord lover. You're not a cord killer. You have all the cords. Right. Uh, I, I am the cord cutter. I, I don't pay for many of these services at all. But as a capitalist, we're paying more and more for this content. But man, content the content is so good right now. When, when you think back to 10, 12 years ago, there was almost nothing good on TV. We, we had very few shows that were even worth watching. Everything was crap reality TV. Not everything, but almost everything. We and had Battlestar Galactica. What are you talking about? And once Battlestar Galactica was over, that was like <laughs> it. Like that's basically when I gave up on cable because there was nothing left to watch. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah. now we have so much good stuff to watch. It's true. No, so it's true. Much. It's true. It is a lot of quality content. I will give you that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Final story is about TiVo. And it's not a good news story. It's a bad news story. <laughs> TiVo has retired its smart home apps, which basically means that they are no longer integrating with smart home services. Previously, the uh, some TiVo boxes allowed you to connect with IFTTT and with your Echo devices. And their skill for Echo devices allowed you to control your TiVo by voice to give it basic commands and control it. And ultimately uh, they have just kind of let that languish and haven't done anything with it. So they have discontinued support for that. And I can kind of see that because I feel like if you're doing that sort of thing, you're probably using like a remote that, may have that sort of capability, or you may have something that controls your TV and that allows you to control services by voice. So this is probably subsumed in other capabilities that are available to you. But they also had an IFTTT service and they have retired that as well. We talked about that when it came out because we thought it was really cool. They did some great stuff there, like allowing you to skip commercials. You could set a an IFTTT routine when it detected a commercial to automatically skip the commercial. Well, that's built in to the device already. So you don't need that skill anymore. That was the most popular skill that they had. Short of that, the 
second most popular skill that they had was the skill that allowed you to get a notification when they updated the available TiVo skills on IFTTT. Ironically, I don't think anybody ever got a notification because they never really updated these skills. They put them out there initially, and then they didn't really do a whole lot with them. I'm going to miss these because one of the things that you could do with this service is you could trigger something based off of someone uh, someone accessing content. If I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, someone accessing content that required a parental pin. So you could tell if somebody was accessing what content you had protected in your home. Another thing that they did, and this is what I used, is they had a skill that allowed you to basically ping a TiVo Mini, which is their extender, to keep it alive because TiVo Mini times out. And so you could basically send some send a command. Basically what it was is you could send any key to a TiVo. And by sending a keystroke to the TiVo Mini, you were able to keep the TiVo Mini alive beyond its four-hour timeout. Because they figure that after four hours on an extender, if you're not using it, you'll just press your remote and it'll go on again. That's great unless you just have a TiVo on in your home because you want it to seem like someone's home or you want noise in the home for your pets or your plants or whatever. And now that is not available anymore. So I'm a little bit frustrated and disappointed by this. And I reached out to the TiVo PR folks to find out, you know, what this was all about, what was going on. And, you know, did they have any sort of explanation for what they're doing? Because what it seems like to me is it seems like they are no longer spending money to continue to maintain things that support their legacy hardware. And we've talked about this in the past, Josh, that I, I, I get the feeling that they're done with hardware. They, they want to become a services company now. Although their most recent offering was a piece of hardware, Stream 4K. The Stream 4K, but the Stream 4K exposes services that they're making available now, right? Like that's, it's all about them being a services company where they have deals in place with Sling and these other companies to make their content available and you're getting it through this dirt cheap device. So I I don't get it, but to me, I'm concerned and I think concerned is the right word that they're just kind of turning their back on the, the hardware DVR. And we've talked about cable card and all of that, and that's probably driving some of it. But I, I did get a quote from one of their VPs, the VP of product, and it's a non-answer answer. He says, at TiVo, we continually innovate through the prioritization of new feature, new features and functionality as we assess the optimal way to deliver on our core value proposition. This means that not all innovations continue into perpetuity. The primary use case for IFTTT integration was auto skipping ads. 
after building this feature into our core platform, we no longer required the integration. Okay, that doesn't address all my concerns, but okay. Isn't if uh, isn't IFTTT charging them for this? Doesn't doesn't IFTTT oh, charge? Absolutely, absolutely. IFTTT charges the vendors who provide services to their customers. So, I I guarantee you that part of what went into this is the analysis of what is this costing us? Of course it went into this. And what it's costing them is both the development effort to maintain something like this and the subscription cost for them to be a part of IFTTT. Right. And that's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. the development cost. Yeah, it's not nothing. I get it. I get it. It's just, you know, we didn't, we still haven't seen an updated HBO app on TiVo. We probably won't. We haven't seen Peacock on TiVo. We probably won't. I'm convinced that they are no longer developing apps for TiVo hardware. Oh, so you mean like on a regular TiVo DVR, you can yep. get those apps, right, right, right? Right. You know, so at the very beginning of the show, we were talking about how neither of us really use Plex DVR anymore. Another thing I don't use, my TiVo. When when I ripped up my house to to redo the floors, I had to unhook all of that stuff, including the TiVo. It never came out of the closet. Ooh, that's interesting. And probably largely because of channels. Yes. Channels on my NVIDIA Shield. The only thing that had me questioning that was, I think it was yesterday, Jen was like, hey, I want to watch Hulu. Can I do that? And I'm like, I'm still having the problem with Hulu on the NVIDIA Shield. And she used to know that, oh, I, I turned to the TiVo to watch Hulu because it works there. <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of aligning with everything we just said, TiVo still offers the old, in some people's minds, superior Hulu experience. Right. Before they redesigned it three years ago to make it hideous. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that covers all of our news, not just the video news, all of the news for this week, which leads us into what's going on in our entertainment centers. And it's been a couple of weeks since we've had an episode, plus there have been holidays. So I don't know about you, but I didn't work much over the holidays. So I've actually got some things to talk about. And Richard, you normally have tons of things to talk about. So what's been going on in your entertainment center? Not as much as you might expect, because I've been working through the holidays. So the usual stuff, the Amazing Race finished. They had their season finale. It's probably the last Amazing Race that we will see in a good while because of what the show is and what condition the world is in right now. The finale was great. I loved it. I was entirely satisfied with it. I think it is probably the first time in many, many years that I thoroughly enjoyed the finale and was satisfied with who won. And probably more interestingly and importantly, three teams made it to the finale. And the three teams that made it to the finale were in an alliance. And that has never happened before on The Amazing Race. And And I am convinced that that will change the dynamic of this show going forward. 
Yeah. It's weird that, you know, it took 38 seasons or whatever (laughs) before people started forming alliances on that show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there've been alliances, but never anything as, as firm as this was. And it was, it, it was great. And it's part of the reason why I think the finale was so good because you cared about every team, anybody who won, I would have been happy with. Mm, So good. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Also keeping up with Star Trek discovery. It has been fantastic. I might not actually be up to date because I think there's a new episode that might be the season finale. I don't know. I have to follow up on that in the next day or two and see what's going on with that. The Mandalorian did have its season finale and holy crap, avoid spoilers at all cost because I was taken by complete surprise and it is friggin' amazing. Can, can I go off on a little side tangent here real quick? It has okay. nothing to do with spoilers or anything. Okay. okay. I, I, I think you will remember and some of our listeners will too, that when Disney plus and the Mandalorian came out, I started watching it with my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. We watched two episodes and then like Thanksgiving and all that stuff happened. And we just, stopped watching. We never got back to it. And numerous times over the last year, I've been like, Hey, you want to watch the Mandalorian? Do you want to pick that back up again? And she's like, eh, I don't know. No, I guess over Christmas break. One of her friends is like, have you been watching the Mandalorian? You need to start watching the Mandalorian. And I come downstairs and she's like halfway through season one of the Mandalorian. What the crap? I've been asking you for six months to watch it with me. So, <laughs> little annoyed about the Mandalorian. It's good. It's really good. They did such a good job. Production quality in the show blows my mind. And I think the storytelling this season was just so good. They introduced characters and brought you back to characters where you thought that they were just like one-off episode things, but no, they're a part of the story arc. It's so good. I'm really happy Mm. with it. Fargo has also concluded and I've watched that. That has been great. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't the best season, but I liked it and I hope we get more. I honestly haven't followed up to know if we will or not. Watched a couple more episodes of The Right Stuff. I'm not excited about the show. I was when it first started and it rapidly lost steam for me. So now I'm just kind of plodding through it. And I'm sure I will watch it to the end, but I'm kind of done with it, which is disappointing. On the other hand, we loved Schitt's Creek so much. Last time we spoke, three weeks ago, we were on season four. There are six seasons. We're done. We finished it. We binged and we absolutely loved it. It was so good. I can't recommend this show enough. It's not you know, like Ted Lasso good, but it's really good and really funny and surprisingly heartwarming considering how dysfunctional it is. So I would recommend that to anybody who's considering it. Watched another episode of Shameless that comes back, I think, after the holidays. Been watching a little bit of convenience, not as much as I want to. So that's probably the next thing that we'll dive into. Still working through the Doctor Who River Song story arc, and that's been fantastic. Watched another episode of Epic, this time Epic Yachts. And over the course of the holiday weekend, I watched 
three movies. I watched Wonder Woman 84 and I allowed myself to enjoy it despite the internet hating on it. I watched Soul and I thought it was great. We, it, it was surprising and, and heartwarming and fun. And I watched Tenet and my brain hurts so bad. I have to watch it about seven more times before I'm going to fully understand it. All right. And then finally, I am happy to announce that I am now down to just being two weeks behind on podcasts instead of three weeks behind. That's not enough of a catch up. <laughs> well, I'm hoping to make more progress because the holidays, I'm hitting the holidays now. And a lot of the shows had fewer episodes during the holidays. And so. some of them do re-airs of older. And I was just oh, like, right. nope. And I delete all of them. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to an episode from right. six months. I ago. don't care about not, best of. Right. Right. E even the shows that I really like, like not doing that. Yeah. Got, no, totally to not worth to. my time. Now your list is almost as long as mine was Josh. So let's hear about it. This this might be my longest list ever. <laughs> It'd be interesting to go back and look. Uh, so in terms of video games, no surprises, just Call of Duty and NHL. I don't think I really played much else. Eh, maybe a little bit of Mario Kart with the family. Um, except that I was, I got the itch to like get out my steering wheel and all that stuff again. So I got, you know, my giant steering wheel and pedals and all that stuff and hooked it up to the computer. And then I was like, I got a 12 year old daughter and she, it's not going to be long before she's piloting real life vehicles down real life roads that real life people walk in front of. So I should make her sit down and give this thing a try. <laughs> and so we basically used project cars as a driving simulator. Wow. -year -old. Yeah. And uh, it was scary at first and then she kind of got the hang of it. And did okay. And even the the eight year old, well, almost eight year old, uh, uh, really enjoyed it too. We had to like move the pedals way up and all that stuff, and she had to sit on the very edge of the seat to be able to reach the pedals and still steer at the same time. Uh, but it was a fun time. They they enjoyed that. Uh, on audiobooks, last time we talked, I was working my way through Tower of Dawn, mm -hmm. uh, which is the second to last, the penultimate book in the Tower of Glass series. Um, it is a book that is uh, often considered optional in the series. If you've been reading slash listening to the series, uh, because I have been, do not skip Tower of Dawn. It is important. Hmm. You should just read it. And it's good. And you're going to think, yeah, but it primarily focuses on that dude I hate. No, just read it. It's good. You should absolutely read it. Hmm. Important things happen. So now I'm on the last book, Kingdom of Ash. I think it's book number 462 in the series. No, I'm kidding. I think it's book seven. <laughs> Shouldn't say stuff like that when Jen's nearby. Um, I think it's book seven. Uh, it is the longest in the series. I think it's like 33 hours long. Uh, I'm about halfway through. It's been really good. Um, it's I, I can see why Jen likes it more than I do. And not just because it's fantasy and I'm not normally into fantasy. It's it hasn't felt as heavy and like, as like, I mean, it's just not as stressful to me in, in my opinion. And that makes sense. Like Jen doesn't want to watch stressful TV. So she probably doesn't want to read super stressful books. Um, there's still conflict and all that stuff, but the consequences just, they're not as, you know, I, I'm used to like 
major, major consequences in, in the movies and stuff that I watch mm-hmm. um, and, and the TV shows that I watch. Uh, so not quite there, but a very enjoyable, enjoyable series. Uh, and then TV, watch some TV, you know, watched a few more episodes of all American with my daughter. We watched a fair amount of movies. Also, we watched home alone cause it's a great Christmas movie. My wife loves home alone. I had forgotten how ridiculous that movie is. And like, there are so many things that Kevin does to the robbers that would kill a person. <laughs> and it's like, eh, no big deal. They just keep coming. Great um, movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, it is. And then, uh, Jen was looking for something to watch while folding laundry and stuff. And, uh, she decided to pull up one of, one of her more recent favorites, pitch perfect. I think that movie is hilarious. Um, yes, it's a comedy that I enjoy. It's a comedy with singing of songs that I like, like, it's it's a good movie. I like it. I still haven't um, seen that. Really? You've never seen Pitch Perfect? Yeah, I still have not seen it. I want to, just haven't. I think we own it. I think you would really like it. I, I think you would really like it. Uh, and then we also watched Wonder Woman and Soul. I really wanted to watch Tenant, but I haven't yet. I haven't really had the time. Tenant. Um, I, I think I said it right, didn't I? I don't think you did. Well, I know what it is. <laughs> I might just accidentally throw that it might just sound <laughs> like i'm saying it wrong yes there's only one n in tenant um i'm with the internet i did not like wonder woman i thought that movie sucked it was at least an hour too long i thought the story was lame um no uh I, and i liked the first wonder woman a lot this one was boring and stupid <laughs> Yeah. I so it has so many problems. The movie has so many problems. And I, I don't even want to go into them because I feel like they'd be spoilers, but right. it's just the it the story is all over the place and it's contrived to begin with. But it was Christmas and it was fun superhero action and I just I, I let myself like the good parts because it opened strong. I thought the opening sequence was fantastic. And then yeah. it just kind of went downhill from there. Although even the opening sequence was too long. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't have a problem with that. What I had a problem with is that the, the reason for that sequence never gets fully explained. Nope. It basically has nothing to do with the rest of the Well, it doesn't have nothing to do with it because truth (laughs) is an important theme in this movie, but it, it's just, it, it isn't clear why we sat through that. If you thought it was too long or why it was in there to begin with. And the movie was too long. I don't think they could have cut an hour from it, but it was two and a half hours long. They easily, easily could have cut 40 minutes from it easily. Yeah. Yeah. Soul, I thought was good, not great. Um, it uh, the thing about Soul was it felt like it wasn't a kids' movie. Like that message wasn't for kids. That message was for people like you and me that are like, dude, you need to make something in your life, <laughs> right? How's that significantly different from? And I can't remember the exact name of it, but wasn't it like Inside Me or something? Inside like that? Out. Inside, Inside Out was way better than this, though. And and Inside Out was targeted at kids. 
I thought the the different emotions that were presented in Inside Out were done better. I mean, don't get like I'm not saying Soul was bad. I think Soul is the movie that that people should watch. But Inside Out was better, a lot better. Um, and but I also don't think they're a super great comparison. Like this is personality development sort of thing. But even that isn't really. It didn't feel like it was really the main focus of the movie. Uh, it, it was more about like enjoying life, you know, and and finding out you know what what are what are the reasons that you're actually on this earth. Um, but it, it was good. It was hell of a lot better than Wonder Woman, that's for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's it for me. I do really want to watch Tenet soon. Um, maybe this weekend. I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, that's also two and a half hours. So you've got to carve out a lot of time for that. Yes. And you need to give it your full undivided <laughs> attention. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is absolutely what it sounds like. And that won't be enough. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch it. Really want to watch it. All right. Well, that's it for what I've been doing in my entertainment center. Um, Next week is CES. Uh, we'll have a show. I don't know when, because uh, it, it's going to be a super weird CES. CES isn't even as long as it normally is, uh, which I think is probably why we're already starting to see some announcements. Um, but we'll definitely find time for a show next week. Uh, follow us on Twitter and all of that, at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone, to find out for sure when the show is going to be, because... Since we're not in Las Vegas dealing with sporadic Wi-Fi, we can probably do the show live relatively safely. So uh, assuming our weeks aren't absolutely insane. So uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter so you know when that is. You can find all the rest of our contact information over at the digitalmediazone.com, where you can also find Richard's other podcast. It's called Home On, where it's normally just him and one guest talking about DIY uh, smart home technologies, but you had a little bit different of an episode recently. Yeah, we did. We had our annual technology.fm fireside chat, including the guys from Home Tech FM and, of course, my colleague and host, Adam Justice, from the Smart Home Show. And we go through our usual roundup of favorite stories, favorite products, and predictions from last year and this. And I think it was a lot of fun. And as promised, if you listen on Home On, you're going to get a shorter edited version. It's all the same content without the ums and the delays and the false starts and the overtalks. And you'd be surprised how much time that saves. 12 minutes. I cut 12 <laughs> minutes off the show. It's crazy. It is the way to listen to that episode every single year. So maybe you already listened to a, a inferior version on. Oh, now, now, now. I'm not going to put it that year. way. <laughs> I am not going to put it that way. Not at all. I mean, it's not like it cost anybody anything, right? Like if you're listening to, to Home On, you're probably listening to those other things anyway. So you're subscribed to all of them. You're downloading all of them anyway, but listen to the Home On cut. It is the best cut. <laughs> and I thank you. Coming up, we have some content for CES. And 
how I'm still working with Rykrist at CES to figure out if we can get an at episode. CES. No, CNET. At CNET. Sorry. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> wow. Rykrist at CNET. Sorry. To see if we can get an episode together with one of their team before CES starts. I don't know if that's going to be possible or not. So that may or may not happen, but definitely we'll have a follow-on episode where we talk about what's going on in the smart home space after or maybe even during CES. So again, watch the Twitter feed and we'll let you know when that's coming out. All right. Well, like I said, watch watch Twitter for sure over this next week and a half uh, to be looking for new episodes of this podcast, new episodes of Home On, uh, notifications of when we might be going live uh, for the podcast. With CES being completely different, we might be doing things completely differently this year too. So uh, definitely be looking for lots of new content on all of the new news coming out over the next week. Uh, keep it locked to uh, at DigiMediaZone and, of course, just the DigitalMediaZone.com. So that's going to do it for episode 545. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs>